Well, hello, guys. It's episode six of the Exchange Podcast. Howdy. <laughs> I'm Chase. I'm Gabby. Yeah, and uh, this is the last time we'll be in the office with each other for a little while. So sad. <laughs> Gabby has decided that she would rather go home to Texas than spend time here. That's yes, that's true. it's true. So <laughs> I, I need to go home. I haven't been in a month. Squeezable butter at every Mexican restaurant table. Yes, sir. Yeah, part of that salsa. I miss it every day. Every single day. You'll get to go to your own church. Um, I actually will not. I'm going to church with my boyfriend on Saturday night. Oh. But I'm leaving early enough Sunday morning where I will make Meemaw lunch. Okay. So. Making Meemaw lunch is a lot better than making church in some places. A lot easier. It's easier to ask forgiveness to miss church than it is to miss Meemaw lunch. Amen. It's a lot. Hey, I, I, I know. I had a grandma that was that way. Quick, quick story before we get started. Uh, this Christmas, actually, my grandmother handed me my my check for my uh, for Christmas, and she said, "I hope this is enough money that you think about coming home sometimes." And I was like. Meemaw, I didn't get a choice. I had volleyball. And she goes, I know, but we really miss you around here. And then I chose to work here all summer. They so give I'm you the sorry, guilt Meemaw. trip. Meemaw's just missing out. I love Meemaw. Meemaw's great. Sounds like Meemaw's a lot of fun. So. She is a 92-year-old woman of God. Yeah. Someone I strive to be every day. Elsie hey. Pollock. There you go. Yes, sir. But that doesn't mean that our show is going to probably go away. We'll, we'll pick it back up. We're just going to take a... Maybe a week or two off. Yeah. If if maybe we can squeeze one in. We were gonna try to catch up and get a few more shows under our belt before she left. Um But someone caught a stomach bug. I caught a stomach bug the day before this one's being recorded, and I caught a stomach bug the week before. Well, I didn't catch it. The week before I think was just because it's so dead gum hot and I didn't eat and I mm. had like um like sinus drainage going on. Gross. Yeah, it was no fun. Uh, but I did, since the last time that we put one out, I got engaged. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I got engaged. Wow. So now I have a fiancé, which I don't like that word. Why not? I just don't like it. I'd rather be like super girlfriend or... <laughs> my my super girlfriend. Yeah, or my better than girlfriend. So... My updated girlfriend. Yeah, yeah the upgrade. Um, so I didn't realize that I had... Cause you you've met Courtney, you've I hung out with Courtney. Um, now I'm not saying Courtney's a tomboy, but I wouldn't say that Courtney is the most girliest of girl. Like she's girly, but her interests aren't very like weddingish. I would have thought. Yeah, I wouldn't think that either. So now she's pulled that out. Oh really? Yeah. I thought what we were going to go with is now not what we're going with. And we're going with a more pumpkin spiced theme, if that makes sense. Ooh. Yeah, I was like. So fall is a great time. Yeah. I could see y'all having a spooky kind of wedding. Like, those are cool. I was I was pushing for something uh, kind of like along those lines or music stuff since we have that in common. Mm-hmm. No, that got shot right down the drain. Oh. Uh, we're going with a more like, um, I was like, when are we going to pull up the chairs and roll out the yoga mats and gossip about our neighbor like this is really that kind of theme so yeah it's been a busy week around the <laughs> uh, like the exchange offices 
But we are going to talk about a topic that I think is going to be pretty fun. Uh, it might be a little hard because I see a lot of this hitting home for some s- churches. Listeners? Oh. Yep. And that bubble noise means that we <laughs> are going to be talking about pop. pop and not the drink that you drink once you pass like Oklahoma City and come north where yeah. you drink pop. It's a, it's a Coke. <laughs> no. But we are going to talk about popping. The life and the need death to the bubble church. I think the term bubble gets used a lot. We talk about like the Google bubble, the YouTube bubble, the Facebook bubble. All of these things are these bubbles and they pop and they blow up and they kind of do that. But this is a different deal, little deal. And since this is the last time we'll be in the office together and I get to hear you read, (laughs) why don't you go ahead and tell us what is a bubble church? So we have this really great quote from the Gospel Coalition, and this whole actual topic comes from a lot of information from the Gospel Coalition's Three Signs Your Church is in a Bubble and Three Tips on How to Pop It. And one of the quotes says, Michael Horton recently noted, Our churches right now look like Fox and CNN. You can tell when you walk into a Fox church and a CNN church. The ideology, not the gospel, is the priority. It's a worrying and saddening trend, Horton observes, that many churches have become enclosed by the contemporary partisan bubbles. Our true calling is to be a community that transcends these divisions, no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens in Christ, says Ephesians 2.19. Ooh, and was that quote in the... uh Article? Yeah. Yes. Is that verse quoted in? Yes. Okay, sweet. So Michael Horton coming through there with what a bubble church is. And I think we see a lot of bubble churches now just because we don't know how to separate things. Yeah. We're and really bad about that. I've had some conversations with people. Um, and now it's easier to not go to church because I can get a lot of what's being said in churches from watching Meet the Press or Fox Morning Sunday. I don't have to put on pants. I might get breakfast made for me. And I don't have to, like, do anything else because I'm really not getting a lot of spiritual nourishment. I'm not getting spiritually fed because we have to make sure that we're on one side or the other. We either have to be all about vaccines and COVID, you know, restrictions and things like that. Or we have to say, oh, no, that's just the way the man's keeping us down. And The it, man. Yeah, the man. And then you have some churches that Stick are like. Stick it to them. Right. You have some churches that are like Black Lives Matter or uh, what is it? Critical race theory and all of those things. And then you have other ones that are like, that's racism. That's what racism is, is that. And so you you don't really ever have time to talk about the Bible. And anymore, it seems like we read Bible verses because we know it's got to be somewhere in the in this church service or it's not a church service. Mm-hmm. And then we go into a 45-minute partisan-laden just rant. Yes, my definition for bubble church that I added was a church that separates oneself from the complete body of Christ in some way, which can include traditions, change of beliefs in total, a needed oneness of ideas, etc. So, yes. But bubble churches don't always know they are separating themselves from other Christians. 
That is very true. And I think that's one of the things that happens is sometimes in this weird world, churches are not exempt from sin. Mm -hmm. Churches aren't exempt from bad things happening. And I think sometimes those bad things happen. And instead of addressing them and saying, yeah, we need grace just as much as the next, next person. Yeah. We alienate ourselves mm -hmm. and we begin to kind of be that sin becomes like a black hole that turns in on itself. Um, and that's kind of how these bubbles get formed is they just stick in this one thing and the community will learn that, oh, that's the church that does this. That's the church that does that. I know of several churches in our area that we're at that have that problem. There's some of them that are now recognizing that problem that happened and they have switched leadership and are now moving into a direction that is more, I wouldn't say it's inclusive, but it is inclusive and not the definition of what you normally would think of as inclusive. I feel there's a difference between inclusiveness and openness. So, Well, I think that the definition of inclusiveness but here deals with LGBTQ, oh. like overall, mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't what I was getting at. I was meaning like they finally popped the bubble and they're letting things into their bubble. Ah. Well, these bubble churches just don't sound like something we should be doing. Today. No. How do you think we can spot a bubble church as proposed by the Gospel Coalition? You know, <laughs> I think we can probably talk about a couple of those and maybe we can even split up the points. And how does that sound for a change? Uh. Ooh. So I'll take that first one. Um, so how to spot a bubble church might be their ideology over doctrine. As Horton observed, he also heard a who. <laughs> One of the main indicators of a bubbled church is the emphasis on ideology over doctrine. If you're in a church in which congregants are less concerned with a pastor's doct doctrinal stance then with whether he reads Fox News or the New York Times, you might be in a bubble church. You might be a in a bubble church. It's like uh, you might be a redneck. Or Oh, I was thinking you may be the father. You are the father. Oh, yeah, Maury. Maury. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was a, and I think it's still around called Not Your Father's Root Beer. It's like an alcoholic root beer. And I uh, felt yeah. like they really missed out on a great marketing opportunity. They should have been the sponsor of the Maury show. <laughs> But that's another, well, we should do a fun show. <laughs> um, so, yes, I think I think that's a good one. Uh, and there's a lot of churches where that's what you hear. Mm -hmm. You don't ever hear like, well, what are they doing for ministry and missions? It's like, well, what does their preacher think of abortion? Yeah. What does their preacher think of the gays? Yeah. And I don't use the word the gays. I'm trying to sum up how some people talk. Um, but that's one of the, those hot topic issues is, you know, the BLM, um, critical race theory, where do they line up with COVID? Where do they line up with all of those great things that everybody wants to talk about? Um, well, why does it matter? Why can't you just go to church and preach the word of God? Yeah, I know that should be the focus always. Right. How, how about let's focus on how do we use what the Bible tells us to react to things that happen outside of what we can control. Mm -hmm. And a big point that I added to go along with the idea of ideology over doctrine was that 
A big problem with allowing ideology over doctrine is that if you stray too far from key doctrines, which are like the ideas of Jesus being the son of God and dying on the cross for our sins, you may experience change, which can lead to a situation as in a cult type situation. And I feel like everyone would think like, oh my goodness, you're going to an extreme here. But with the idea of a bubble church, um, if you change the doctrine of scripture, you are changing the word of God and you're changing the foundation of Christianity, your Christianity. Right. So, and then I have a quote from Truth for Saints that says, a denomination adheres to the essentials of the Christian faith, but may differ in their... Liturgical approach, method of worship, worship, etc. By contrast, a cult of the Christian variety will depart from the essentials of Christianity, i.e., the Trinity, salvation through Christ alone, the virgin birth, etc., but may very well resemble the same liturgical. liturgical approach in our methods of worship as Orthodox Christianity. Yeah. I, that's how a lot of most cults don't start off <laughs> with all like whacked out. Like it, it's a journey, and it's <laughs> usually. I wouldn't even say that it's. I don't think that a lot of cult leaders got together. It's like you know we're gonna. Well, I've been thinking about it, Courtney. Uh, yeah, I've been doing this church thing for a couple of years. I bet I could start a cult. <laughs> Uh, that's not how that happens. I'm really, I'm really good at manipulation, yeah. and I just think it's what's godly. Because it's charis. I mean, they're, they're charismatic leaders. Like yeah. they're they're very, you know, people are drawn to them. Like Jonestown, that thing. I was watching a documentary on that the other day. Uh, that dude just started off at a church and just realized that hey, there's two things I love: Jesus and drugs. And he mixed the two, and you should never do that because then you start reading under the influence, and then all of a sudden, like you got a whole bunch of coked out people in the seventies and eighties, and they're just like, "Yeah, I've been reading, and I think I am Christ," and they're all like, "Yeah, you are, bro. We've just been waiting for you to figure it out." And then he's like, "Sweet, I'll start my own little town down here in Central America." Yeah, I- and that's how things like that happen. It's not like it was intentional, like. What happens is people end up getting into, you know, the greed and the power and the, you know, all of that weird stuff that goes into cults. I I mean, think about like cult leaders basically end up at the end of it before the cult falls apart is, all right, all these guys are going to go work and do the work of what we need done. And I'm just going to stay around here and procreate and keep the keep the cult members a coming like that's. And we're not trying to tell you that your bubble church... I'm not church trying to tell you to go out and start a cult either. <laughs> or your bubble church is a cult, but... Right. But it can become very cult-like. Yes, there are some similarities. And another similarity actually goes with our next point. Uh-oh. Of uniformity. Ooh. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us about uniformity. Um, <laughs> Does it have to do with what you wear to church? Uh, or is that just uniforms? I think that's uniforms. Oh, okay. Um, the Gospel Coalition, again, says, Do you rarely find yourself challenged by or disagreeing with the opinions or preferences of others in your church? If so, you might be in a bubble church. So that one's also a, a very fine line one. Mm-hmm. Like, there are churches who operate under the idea of we can have this 
both and instead of either or type of mentality, um, which is cool. Like, I think that you can have a broad scope of people that attend your church Mm -hmm. and it work out fine. But you can't stray away from the core Mm -hmm. beliefs. I think that you have to have some type of centered belief that everybody in that church needs to adhere to. Mm-hmm. And the it can, gospel. Yeah, it can be God, Father, and or Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all one person, mm-hmm. yet three separate entities. Jesus was born of a virgin, died on the cross, and three days later was resurrected. There's only one way through to God, and that's to, through Christ. You know, those type of things we should all be able to agree upon. But we should also be able to healthily disagree on certain ideas. Yes, and not feel like you're being outcasted. Yes. I, another big point that was brought up in this article that I didn't include in the outline was that it talked about a lot of the uniformity within churches and bubble churches happen on accident due to, of course, the church members are all going to be from the same area. Right. Usually come from the same background history. Yes. So there's a difference between connections and similarities versus chosen uniformity. Right. So, and I had, I don't have like personal experience with inside of uh, this church, but there was a church in an area where my dad was the pastor and I was growing up. And I remember hearing a lot of pastor, and they would say his name, says this. There was never like, you never got into a discussion with a lot of the people from that church that was, well, you know, the Bible says that this, it was always, well, here's what the pastor says, and this is what the pastor says. And I'm like, okay, well, did you ever read the Bible to make sure that what your pastor was saying lines up with what's happening? And there was that kind of uniformity, like, and the thing was, was I knew the pastor very well. And the pastor, I have no doubt in my mind, wasn't I mean, he was pretty theologically sound doctrine. But he wasn't Jesus. He wasn't Jesus. He was not and Jesus. It, it really bothered him that his church group was very much on this whole thing. And I haven't been around in the area for a while, so I don't know if that's still the case or anything like that. But, yeah, they that was one of those weird things that got it very borderline to a cult was they weren't really ever referencing what the Bible said. They were just kind of taking whatever he said at face value, which is fine if I guess the person is actually quoting scripture and not manipulating it and twisting it. But there's still always a chance. Yes. That it's the well worst thing happening. Right. And then you also have the idea that, you know, different views inside a church and in the total body of believers is a good thing. And we should not be, turning people away for any other reason than wrong doctrine. Yes. That goes with the point of uniformity. Right. And the fact that in the body of believers, it doesn't matter that my favorite color is yellow and your favorite color is... Red? Red. I wasn't sure what your favorite color Uh, was, so I was trying to let you fill in the blank before I just said green and was wrong. But that doesn't matter... If we both believe that Jesus died for our sins and is the Son of God, you know, red sins he died for, not yellow sins, though. So That's oh, uh, is that what we're trying to? No, uh, okay. 
Well, fine. The final point of how to spot a bubble church is the us versus them mentality. And this is preaching solely that the world is evil and Christianity is good. And it creates the barrier that is really hard to cross for evangelism and friendships with non-believers because your church has been taught that you are the chosen people of God. And then the world created outside of it is evil and you should not be out in the world and be a part of the world. Right. And it creates fear within a church body and especially for young believers that, oh my goodness, I can't be friends with people who don't believe in Jesus because they're going to try and make me do drugs and right. sin and have sex. Oh my goodness. All bad things, you know? How many, so, <laughs> how many people have tried? Well, I'm no, I'm just I'm I'm just thinking because I think like you probably come in contact with a lot of people that that's happened to. Within like, I mean, with the school that you go to, and I don't really know a lot of the background of the school that you go to, but I would imagine that it is there's a lot of kids that go to Christian schools who come out of Christian like high schools and or are homeschooled and things like that. Have you ran into people who? I've never ran into someone who is openly like, I'm against the people of the world, you know, or I'm right. against non-believers. But I have run into people who have gone through like shell shock almost because they realize that the church bubble can't always protect them. Right. Especially with you can't judge a person's character just on the first two weeks of school you've had with them, yeah. you know, kind of idea. And a lot of people or not a lot but i've had some friends who assume that oh they go to a christian school they're going to be a good person they're going to be a believer like me right and that's not always true so when i was a freshman in college and we had a guy on campus who openly told us that he could go months without sinning and uh we slowly kind of backed away from him because we knew kind of about the general area that you could still be struck by lightning by standing next to certain things um and, I mean, he was just a real jerk about it. Like, he was going to be a preacher, and he was just there so he could really witness the wickedness of the world, but he didn't want anything to do with anybody, and he just kind of did all this stuff. And then we saw him one day, because this is a campus that wasn't church-affiliated, so all the churches had some type of ministry on campus. Uh, so if you knew and you got in with those with the church world, you could eat free lunch every day of the week. And so we did that, except for the student union he belonged to. None of us wanted anything to do with that group because we were like, oh, no, they're all the same. And I just remember meeting a guy that was like, he was like a junior or whatever, and he was like inviting, He was. we were walking by and saying, hey, do you want to go grab lunch over here, you know, whatever, like maybe we can talk. And uh no it's thursday dude like we don't go over there and he's like why and i was like well have you met brandon and they're like <laughs> yeah so then we started telling him about how we were all told we were going to hell and uh, and he was just like so I, I just remember being like so that's why there's no freshman coming like he had alienated a whole dorm class group. yeah a whole class group of people because he was and he would, he would like stand outside on like Thursday nights when that's the night that everybody would go to the bars or whatever. And mm -hmm. he was like, I hope you make it back in one piece. That way you have time to, you know, pray for forgiveness and time to repent. And we're like, dude, stop. 
being a buzzkill. Yeah, sh- street preachers are strange. Freshman dorm preachers are even stranger, dude. Like, <laughs> knock it off. But, you know, he had his convictions or whatever. He just, and I think that he w- meant well. Well, I mean, that's also probably why I, I've never seen a bubble church that I was like, oh, yeah, they're kind of in a bubble, you know, and then be flourishing or growing, you know, t- totally, because evangelism is so hard. Right. Especially to unbelievers. Right. And I think that churches, even those churches have a desire to evangelize, but they, their evangelism, is it really evangelism or is it conformity? Like, are they conforming people to, you know, this is what you have to do and this is, and they become so strict and narrow with what you have to do to be inside of that church that most people will look at it and be like, Oh crap! I don't really want to do any of this, so no, I'm not going to do. And it puts a bad taste in people's mouth. For sure. I mean, and and there's churches that still do that. And I'm not saying that you lose morality or whatever it is to try to appeal to people, but you do have to expect that people coming into the church, if you're evangelizing, are not going to be Christian. Mm-hmm. And so you can't hold them to that. Mm-hmm. But you've got these churches that that do and and so it is i mean right now the the whole thing on if it's a fox news church or cnn church where we live is a i mean tulsa is probably just full of churches like that that you walk in and you're just like these people get all of their news from fox news or these people get all their news from cnbc or wherever they're getting it from mm-hmm. um well they would probably get it from cnn not cnbc but they you see that because you have a population that has been people who are native to this area, very typically being Bible Belt conservative Christians. And now there's a huge influx of people moving in that are kind of changing that demographic. Mm-hmm. And so you do, you see these churches like that. It's, it sucks. Yeah. So then now the problem is, is how do you pop the dead gum bubble? How do you pop it? Well, first, the first point that was given to us from our article was that let the air out slowly. So rather than making a significant ministry change or an immediate host hosting point-counterpoint debate on thorny topics, start small. Grab a handful of mature members you know might disagree and invite them over for a private meal and charitable dialogue. So, I mean, that, that does work. I think here we have tried to do that with our older congregation with things like ask the pastor and things like that. Mm -hmm. But we don't have a lot of counter points. Yeah. I, so the sec, the point I added below that said the hardest discussions in the church are usually the most important or needed compare. And then I have this idea that when the Black Lives Matter movement was happening for the second time during COVID, yes. I actually had several different discussions with my dad and my grandfather pointing out how I felt that we shouldn't separate people based on their skin color and things of that matter. And I was trying to tell them, I was like, oh, it's not that I agree with the Black Lives Matter organizations or things like that. I just agree with the core issue that there is that these people are being biased, that implicit biases are real. Right. And 
that discussion was very hard to have with my grandfather and my my own father but those were the things that were needed they were awkward it was the conversations at the dinner table that no one really wanted to have but it was the air that was slowly letting out that allowed for us to see it within our own family yeah and address it so kind of like that idea well i think um I think that it's those those are the topics, but do you, when do you have those discussions? When do you do that? Because there are people who are like me who I go to church to escape that. Mm-hmm. I go to church to find r- things, and I know it's going to be brought up because it's a hot topic thing, mm-hmm. and and we need to learn how to navigate through life with it and things like that. But when is the appropriate time to address those? Is Sunday morning the best time? Is there more of a, hey, we're getting together on a Wednesday night and doing this? I I think that's where they wanted to say the air out slowly and pointed to smaller discussions. Right. Because if you stand up in front of the church and point at your pastor and like, this is a problem, then you're trying to bust the bubble up front in front of everyone and it's just going to get kind of messy. Yeah. You know? It, It is. Also... Um, we we have to address the issues. We just talked about that. Addressing the issues. Um, you know whether CRT complementary complementarianism or any number of divisive issues, the bubble making problem is less a result of the issues as it is our reluctance to talk about them. Yes, I think one of the things that is also kind of evident in these types of bubble churches is they will say that, hey, we, you know, we are open to everyone and we're open to all these viewpoints, but you never hear from the other side. Mm -hmm. You never hear. They're like, oh, well, we, you know, we have people on the left and on the right. And it's like, well, uh, I only hear from the left side. I Mm -hmm. never hear from the right side. Or I only hear from the right side and I never hear from the left side. And I think that's a hard it's a hard deal. And maybe they want to be that. And I think that sometimes there's a difference between we want to be a church of this. We want to instead of we are. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes if you tell people we want to be this and we're trying to get there and with your help, we hope that we can get there. I think that's another way of approaching it. Also, what about some social media discipleship? You think that'll work? It could. You got it written down, so it must have <laughs> something to do. My point under the social media discipleship is that social media can be a great tool, but it can also be a major stumbling place. My grandfather is the number one person to be put into Facebook jail. I've never seen someone put into Facebook jail so many times. Oh, man. So at one point, my mom had to sit down, and my grandpa was like, look, Papal. She doesn't call him Papal. She calls him Dad because it's right. dad. But... She was like, look here, Papa, not everybody wants to hear your political views on the Internet. So maybe you don't have to share them so often. Right. But I think that could be a fun one. Like, what should a pastor? I mean, I know your grandpa's not a pastor, but I see a lot of pastors post a lot of things that you can't verify anywhere and they're just like, yep, here we go. I mean, that one dude that's out in North Carolina, I think it's North Carolina, that's like, come shut my church down. I dare you. I dare you. 
Biden, you're not going to shut my church down. That guy, like, he's completely alienated. He's a bubble church. He's got a bunch of money. It's a great bubble to be in. But everybody else looks at him like, dude, this guy's like three-fifths an idiot. Another major stumbling block that I've seen within, like, Christianity and believers is the, like, savior complex mission trip pictures. Yeah. Where the... It's it it's just a I will admit it as a white Christian woman that we love to post pictures yeah with different people that we've gone on mission trips with and be like look at these sweet babies they have changed me in Christ and have allowed me to grow and that can be so toxic yeah. to the people you just evangelize towards right because it makes them feel like. Your headband, is, your headband is very savior complex mission trip today. <laughs> like if you had on Natural one of those, life. yeah, like if you had on one of those like maxi skirts and some what are those chacas? Is that the tacos? Yeah, I tacos. have chivas, but same thing, right? Except it's sixty dollars different. Uh, twenty thirty. Yeah. Twenty thirty. Okay. Yeah, if you don't have those tans, did you really go and save people in another country? I know it makes them feel like a charity case right. that you're just flaunting on instagram yeah and there's a difference between i do my own instagram i do have to say i have a mission trip picture on there but it's a picture with my team right and it wasn't a picture of me being like look at all the good things well, i'm doing you need to have that to go back and show i mean because at the end of the day ministry and missions is a line in the church budget and so if you go back and you don't have any pictures of hey <laughs> like i helped out little this little kid, you know, whatever his name is or her name is, um, you know, you do need to have pictures of this was going on. This is what we were doing. Look, we're helping and we're feeding that way because it does encourage other people to want to go. But I do know what you're talking about. Those, those people that go and it really strengthens their faith. And you're just like, where? Because starving people here down the street and I don't see you picking them up. Yeah. Because sure. apparently, and I don't know about this, but starving people in America seem to be more dangerous than foreign people starving. Yeah. I've heard that as a, oh, it's just a dangerous thing over there. And I'm like, I, I mean, I, I get it. Like where they hang out, where they set up their tents and stuff is kind of sketchy and you don't really know what's going to happen and you don't want to pull out a wad of money because then now here you are just to totally expose yourself to it. But it's not any different than going to a foreign country, country and doing the same thing. For sure. I mean, I think that doing foreign missions is great, but I think a lot of people forget that we have a mission field here. Yeah. So churches just need to help its their members by being a good example. Yes. Of good social media habits. So the final point that we have on the death of a bubble church is the idea of being set apart versus church isolation. I feel like some of the bubble churches are very keen about using the idea of being set apart and being the image of Christ to isolate themselves, whereas that isn't the context that that was supposed to be used in. Yes. Like, we are supposed to be set apart because we know that we shouldn't give in to the ideas of the world, but that doesn't mean that I should judge the world on its decisions. Right. So... Well, um, I mean, I think there's a lot of churches right now that we are starting to bubble. I I think that bubble churches have been around, but I think we are starting to see more and more churches get into a bubble. Yeah, sadly. It's not a good situation to be in. 
So yeah. this has been the shortest episode we've ever done. I it's like you almost want to get out of here. No, no, no. I can accompany that with the probably shortest script I've written. It is. So and she has done a great job with all of our outlines. She actually, if you want to check out her producing side of thing, go and watch the Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church uh, of Bartlesville's uh, <laughs> Facebook live feed that happened last week. Uh, it was the uh, July July twenty fifth. She changed it up. The first thing she did, she did not go to the pulpit. I I figured that's what happened. And I changed the camera so fast. I figured that's what happened. I was so I have worked every Sunday at our church. um, Well, this church that we work for, uh, and and I always say I guess it's our church. Uh, I always get weird with that. Yeah. Like how did like how did how I claim that. and so I've worked every Sunday except for the Sunday that I had my gallbladder taken out. And, um, you know, Gabby, in her nice little way of saying, hey, I'll cover one for you, bro. <laughs> she did, and she did a great job for it. And so I'm super happy. And I've got her to say, hey, I can help out some more, which will really make me happy. That's why he's putting it on the podcast. I am so he not. Has evidence I know to that go she, back yes, to. Yes, yes. You said. I, and I think you did a great job. And everybody told me, even, even Janet said, hey, she did a great job. I saw that she did a really, really good job. Um, I don't, I think I'm supposed to be getting a phone call from somebody, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Like I know, like this is probably like the worst time to be making a podcast because there is so much stuff that I am trying to get worked out um, for this big event that I can't announce anything yet because of every, all the phone calls that I'm waiting on. But um, watch for big things from yes. the exchange. Yes, we should be making an announcement here in the next couple weeks um, on what we're going to do. Um, and it should be a lot of fun. People around here will have a lot of fun. And if you listen from out of state, like in Texas or New Diana or wherever, yeah. you should make the trip up and hang out with us for it because it'll be a lot of fun. So this will probably be the last live face-to-face that we shoot. Um, we will probably do one maybe like over the uh, interwebs as a lot of shows have done. Oh, wow. Fancy. Yeah, I know. You better look out. Um, so Gabby, thanks for kick a summer. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's even wearing a sweet shirt from another podcast. Holy cow. It's my <laughs> Cubs podcast that I done, but try, uh, you know what? I don't ever ask <laughs> for prayer requests. Uh, if you could pray for my other podcast co-host, Greg, that'd be awesome. Craig, Greg found out that he has cancer. Oh. Um, he had his appendix taken out. And um, the uh, he, he had his appendix taken out, and then he went in for his like follow up deal to make sure everything was okay because he kind of had some issues or something happen, and mm-hmm. he found out that he had uh, cancer where his appendix was. Yeah, and so he is going through that now. So pray for Greg. Mm-hmm. Greg's a good guy. Greg taught me my love of baseball in his fourth grade class. So known Greg for a while. Also, I mean, this is kind of sad. People will hear about it tomorrow. But uh, one of my um, one of my heroes died just a few minutes ago. Oh, Joey Jordanson. 
I'm so sorry. Drummer for Slipknot, original drummer. Um, he passed away, and I don't really know how, and I haven't really been able to read because we've been recording. So, you know, prayers for his family. But we'll end on a happy note. Thank you, Gabby, for all that you've done and for sticking around and doing this show with us through the fall time. It'll be very interesting to see what she comes up with as she's helping as an RA. Please send ideas. Volleyball. Maybe <laughs> maybe way. your volleyball girls will have some question or maybe some conundrum will happen or some college kid mischief. Give us something to talk about. Is TPing wrong? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. How short are the skirts that I can't wear it? You know, if I can't wear it on campus, should I wear it out somewhere? Else? Modesty is a that would be a good topic. Another topic. Hey, I saw a thing. I'm going to go back and watch it. Um, Alicia Childers or something like that. Okay. She used to be in the band Zoe Girl. She did a uh, night with Jeremy Camp, his wife, which was in um, I can't even think of the name of the band. Uh, it was a band back in like the early '90s. Uh, Benjamin Gates Band. Mm-hmm. And then John and Corey from Skillop, they talked about why uh, Christian bands are leaving the faith and why they still believe. So it could be pretty interesting. So maybe we can talk about something like that. Well, that's enough about 42 minutes of our time. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to keep these things around an hour. So until next time, guys, stay safe. Thanks for listening. You stole my catchphrase. Oh, no. It's, it's okay. I forgive you. Try it now. Stay safe. There you go. (laughs) We care. We care. We will see you guys hopefully next week. Have a great one.